and just greet somebody this morning. How firm a foundation, you saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in His excellent word. What more can He say than to you He has said, to you who look for refuge, to Jesus I fled. Fear not, fear not, He is with us. So be not dismayed, for He is our God, our sustainer and strength. He'll be our defender and cause us to stand, upheld by His mercy.
have our ushers come forward and continue in our worship together. I hope you know by now, if you've been coming any amount of time, that uh, that we do our, our offering in the middle of our music so that uh, in the mindset and even in our hearts that we begin to, to grow and understand that that too is an act of worship when we do it uh, willingly, uh, joyfully, sacrificially to God. Just as we're singing praises to him, we offer him uh, what probably is the one tempting, most tempting thing to, uh, to lord over us or to, to think that we have control over. And so we give, but we do it with joyful hearts, with sacrificial hearts, and, uh, and in surrender to our God because he's Lord. Jesus, our firm foundation. Amen. God, we love you. We praise you for who you are. We thank you that you are steadfast in our lives. And so, God, we give this morning, uh, and, and, and we do it. My prayer is that we do it joyfully. And, uh, and, Lord, that we do it together as a body of Christ in celebrating you and giving you glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. No weapon formed 
steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. God, thank you that you call us your children when we put our faith and hope in your son, Jesus Christ. We give you all the glory and honor and praise, and we thank you, God, that we have an anchor for our soul and the hope that we have in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can have a seat. Well, as we continue in worship, we're going to celebrate uh, communion together. Listen to... uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 14 14 through 21, as we consider the cross and kind of prepare our hearts, it says this, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone isn't Christ, the new creation has come, The old is gone and the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. And then verse 20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As followers of Jesus, the Lord has committed to us the gospel message, the message of reconciliation, the message that we were created in the image and likeness of God. We were knit together with purpose and love, and yet we have chosen to sin, to go our own way. We have disregarded the things of God, the ways of God, God himself, And our sin has left a a separation, a gap between us and God, a brokenness. Our relationship is, is broken because of our sin. But God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So on the cross, Jesus took our sin upon himself. He was without sin. He was perfect, spotless, without blemish. He'd never sinned. He'd never even thought about sinning. But then he willingly, being compelled by love, laid down his life for you and me, the very people who had wandered away, the very people who had rejected him. He died so that we might live. He died to pay the price in full for our sin. The sin debt has been removed. 
But the good news gets even better. Listen to the rest of verse 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So not only has our debt been removed through the cross, but then if we put our faith and trust in, in Christ, then his righteousness is credited to our account. So it's not just that we've been brought back to even and the debt has been removed and we've been reconciled in our relationship with God, but in Christ, we've been made new, we've been made holy, we've been clothed or covered in His righteousness. So, so when God the Father looks at us, if we're in Christ, He sees a son, He sees a daughter, and He's no longer counting our sins against us, He's no longer holding them over our head, but He delights in His people. He loves having you as his child. He does not regret saving you. That truth is one we celebrate this morning as we take communion. Now, communion, the act of eating the bread and and drinking the juice, is reserved, according to the Bible, for those who are fully aware of what the bread and juice symbolize, that they symbolize Jesus' body and his blood, that it was broken, that it was poured out for our sin Believers in Christ are fully aware that at one point we were separated from God. But through Christ, we've been reconciled back and we've been brought near. So if you're not a believer in, if you're not a follower of Jesus yet this morning, then I'd encourage you to simply pass the trays on down the row when they're passed. Uh, Some of you have small children with you because we're in a family service celebrating VBS today. And so um, maybe your children haven't taken communion before. But if, you're, if your children are believers in Christ, if, they're, if they love Jesus, if He's their Lord and Savior, then I'd encourage them to take communion with you. If you have small kids, you might want to talk about You might want to take the elements, but then talk about it as the trays are passed to talk about what this symbolizes if this is their first time. Or maybe as a parent, you, it's your discernment to say, you know what, I'm going to take communion. And we'll talk about it, but not this time for your small children. I'll leave that discernment up to you as the parent. The ushers will come up now and begin distributing the trays. And as the trays are passed, make sure you uh, get both cups, both the top and the bottom, so you have both elements. And then use this time as trays are passed, as music's played, to, to pray, to just get quiet. If you're last week's with VBS, last week with work, at home, maybe yesterday's festivities, if everything's been pretty loud in your life, use this time to be quiet before the Lord and just pray and thank God for His sacrifice. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat the bread. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's drink the juice. Father, thank you for sending your Son to be our sacrifice, to not only to atone for our sin, to pay for it in full, to to bear the full weight of our sin, to take upon your wrath upon his shoulders, 
so that we might be healed, so that we might find life, so that we might find salvation. And not only that we might find salvation and forgiveness, but we might, that the righteousness found in Christ would be credited to our account. That we'd be covered in your righteousness. I thank you that because of the cross, you've removed our sin as far as the east is from the west. And you're choosing to no longer remember it. Father God, I thank you for that truth. I pray that we would be reminded of that today, that this week we would live in light of the cross. We would, we would live as we choose to live our lives this week, that we would live them in a way that is cross-centered, that is glorifying to you, that is, a, is in a way that, that honors you and glorifies you. In Jesus' name, amen. Today we're celebrating um, this past week's VBS, and as a pastor and leader, one of the most encouraging things for me is to see the church in action. VBS is an example of that, to see people serving behind the scenes, in front of the scenes, people serving before an event, during an event, uh, after the event, and, and all of that kind of coming together for one common mission or purpose. 1 Corinthians 3.6 says, uh, Paul's writing this, and he says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth, or but God made it grow. And so this week, thank you for planting seeds. Thank you for watering. Thank you for doing your part as the body of Christ to, um, to plant and water. Now I pray that we would pray for God to give the growth, that we would trust God to, uh, to make it grow, not only in children's lives, the children that might have been here for VBS, but as well as just our community, as well as our church, as well as the volunteers, that God would make it grow in the seeds that he's planted this past week. So we're going to take some time to celebrate VBS. Here's a video highlighting some pictures and some things that happened over the last week. Hello. As you can see, we had a good time last week. Yes, we did. That was a very good time. Thank you guys for coming up stage and doing that. I know that took a lot of bravery, and you did it. Good job. Um, just briefly... Uh, my name's Holly. I was the, one of the VBS directors this last week, and we had a phenomenal week. It was amazing. Before you leave, make sure you check the backboards. That's where we have our God sightings. That's where we um, teach the kids to see God in their everyday lives, uh, notice his movement, notice his power in everything big and everything small. It could be the fact that they asked their sister for forgiveness. I think I saw that on one of the post-its. Or it could be the fact that they realized that they were healed from something that was really hurting them. And um, that's just a great thing to equip kids with, to let them see God move in every day for them. <clears throat> um, also, I just want to share one tiny little story um, from the week. Just like the song... Uh, that we sang earlier, Jesus Firm Foundation. That's kind of the whole goal of VBS, is to give kids that come a firm foundation in Jesus. And there was one child specifically, I heard from a couple crew leaders this week, that um, I don't think that, that uh, they've ever attended here before, or maybe even anywhere, I don't know. Uh, a couple crew leaders were taking it upon themselves to transport this child back and forth. And um, they just had an amazing week. And towards the end of the week, and some other crew leaders kind of noticed and 
uh, provided for this child, I believe, um, a Bible and also some music from the CD and the DVD that we sell, which is just amazing that the crew saw that need and took it upon themselves to do that. And the very last night when they were transporting that child, they said, can you put some of that God music on the car? And that's what we want. We want to plant those seeds, and we hope that that child tucks that into their heart and it grows, and that God uses this week to nurture something inside of them that teaches them to seek him out in their life. And that is, that's why we do VBS. Um, volunteers, thank you from the bottom of my heart. You guys were amazing. Um, we never had a need that wasn't filled all week long. You came, you kept coming every night and providing exactly what we needed, which is one of the key things we were taught. God has the power to provide. And he did. Hold on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. In the kitchen and our art supplies and our crews and our crafts and games, he provided beautiful weather when we thought we would not have it. It was just a wonderful, wonderful week. Um, our numbers were really good. Uh, we averaged about 105 kids per night which is really good. And um, our mission project for the week was Operation Christmas Child. And uh, you could see from the little mountain climber thing that we had going on, uh, I think at the end of the week, the children had donated 328 items so far for Operation Christmas Child. That was really good. Um, so that's pretty much just a wrap-up of the week. I thank you all for your patience with me getting up here and rambling occasionally on a random Sunday. And um, thank you for providing for this outreach that our church does. Um, it's a great way to have community and to share the love of Jesus with other children in the community. Um, if you donated a tent or a canopy, check the giant Plinko in the shed. That is where they all are. <laughs> and um, if there's an unclaimed craft, kids, if you made a craft and you forgot to take it home or you didn't get it because it was not dry yet, check that back cart back there because there's a lot of crafts there. So thank you again. I'm going to hand it to Becky. I just want to thank many of you that stepped out into new roles this year for VBS. Um, and I want to encourage you in general at Crosspoint, when you look around and um, see something that's being done, whether it's a greeter at the door, a teacher in Sun Chasers, um, somebody who's helping tear down after an event, whatever it is, and you hear that little prompting that God is putting on your heart about something that maybe that's something you could do or maybe something that you're really interested in doing or you would think you would love doing, um, I just want to encourage you, just because you see someone else doing it doesn't mean that you are not needed in that space. And so thank you to those of you who stepped into new roles this year at VBS, trying, hearing that prompting and not just assuming that it's taken care of by others and you're not needed because you were needed. And so thank you. And when you say yes to that, cross point, um, you never know when you just might be the encouragement and the refreshing that God is going to provide through you to someone else. And so this year, especially at VBS Holly, was that refreshing and that encouragement that my family needed and that I needed. And so I want you to put your hands together and whistle and cheer and clap and tell Holly and her family, thank you so much for her leadership this year. So it was a great week. 
keep it in mind next year, but not just for VBS. Keep it in mind as you look around and you hear God um, laying things on your heart. I just want to encourage you to be open to that. Thank you. All right, if you have a Bible, get to uh, 2 Timothy 1. We're going to be looking at some verses there, including the one that's on many of our shirts. Uh, the big verse for this week was 2 Timothy 1.7. Um, it was written on our t-shirts, like I said, and uh, I pray it's going to be written on our hearts as we uh, kind of move forward through this summer. It says this, For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline. And what I'd like to do is look at some of the verses around that verse because I, I believe it's going to be an encouragement to us this morning. It was to my own heart this last couple weeks. And the context of 2 Timothy is this. Timothy is a young pastor in his 30s. The Apostle Paul wrote two letters to him, first and second Timothy, and this is the last letter that Paul will write in his lifetime. Paul's writing this letter while sitting in a prison. To, to say the least, Paul has had a hard life. He's been uh, beaten, thrown in jail repeatedly. He's been homeless. He's worked multiple jobs. He's been shipwrecked. He's writing this letter, and he is awaiting execution, all for simply proclaiming the gospel and telling people that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Him. Paul is hungry. He's cold. He's isolated. He knows this is the end. He will die soon, and it won't be pretty. And, all of the, and in that context, all of that, he sits down to write this letter to Timothy. So needless to say, this is, this is an extremely personal letter. Think about this for a minute. If you only had a few days to live, how would you spend your time? If you knew your death was imminent, who would you write to? Who would you share words with? What, what about those closest to you, those who you love? What about those who you might even consider your enemies, those who you have relationship conflict? What words would you say to them? Well, in 2 Timothy, we get this glimpse into the words that Paul is writing to Timothy. And these words are like a father to a son because spiritually speaking, Paul was a father to Timothy. Paul was the one who discipled Timothy, was, was the one who mentored him, who showed him this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. This is what it looks like to live your life for Christ and his purposes. And so these words are personal and they're full of love from one brother in Christ to another brother in Christ, one follower to another follower. Have you ever had those moments, those times, those seasons in your, in your walk with the Lord where you realize that your heart has grown cold to him? In a sense, you might say that your heart was on fire, that you're, but now that you're, the fire, in a sense, has grown dim. Maybe your boldness uh, to share the love of Jesus has, has been exchanged for fear. Or you've grown to be kind of ashamed or really timid in your faith. Like you realize that following Jesus doesn't always lead you to sitting at the cool table anymore. And so you've kind of grown, in a sense, really quiet, really timid, really ashamed, if you will. Or as the little kid's song goes, you've, you've hidden the light under, you, under, under the bushel. Or you remember a season where the, the fire, your love for the Lord, where it burned brightly and strong. But if you're honest, it hasn't been that way for a while in your own heart. I know I've had those times. I, I haven't been immune to those times since becoming a pastor. And so if you can relate, maybe, or you can remember a time, or maybe you're in one of those seasons right now, I believe these words from 2 Timothy will be a big encouragement to you. We'll look at verses 3 through 7 today. 
He writes, I thank God whom I serve as my forefathers did with a clear conscience as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your, grand, in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, Eunice and I am persuaded now lives in you also. So here's what Paul knows about Timothy that his faith in Christ is sincere, it's authentic, it's genuine, it's real. Timothy isn't faking anything when it comes to his faith. And Timothy's, Timothy, Timothy's faith has been passed down from grandmother to mother and now to Timothy. And then he gives him this charge. For this reason, he begins in verse 6. Because I know that your faith is sincere. Because uh, th- that's your faith. I, I know it's not your grandmother's faith anymore. It's not just your mother's faith, but it's yours, Timothy. Because, Timothy, I, you and I have this relationship, this friendship, and I've seen your, the heart, your, 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 your faith burn brightly. I've seen it burn white hot, moving you to tears, moving you to emotion. For this reason, Timothy, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So we can take from this, we can conclude from this, that Paul is telling Timothy that if you don't feed this fire, if you don't fan the flame, it will go out. That without continuous fire, uh, fuel to the fire, the flames will go out. Four or five summers ago, our family uh, went up to Warren Dunes State Park in Michigan to spend the week camping, hanging out at the beach. And it was the end of July. That summer, it was incredibly hot. It was incredibly hot at the end of July. Why in the world we chose to tent camp, I have no idea. But that's what we did. And so in order to stay cool in the tent, we, we brought a couple box fans. And so uh, in order to cook our, fr- cook our food, we had to build a fire in the fire pit. And the fire pits, the way that they're built, they're kind of lower. And so you could, you, the fire was going, but it was just kind of smoldering a little bit because um, the oxygen couldn't quite get down there. There was no breeze. It was just kind of soupy, humidity, humid mess, if you will. And so there was fire there. There was a spark. There was, uh, there was fuel. There was the wood. But it was just really lacking breeze. You know what fixes that? A box fan, a box fan. It's kind of redneck, I know. I'm sure we uh, look kind of silly, but it fixes that. Hold up a box fan, extension cord, really, really classy uh, camping, and that, that fire gets going, okay? Now, what would be happening, though, is 10, 15 minutes after, you, after we fanned the flame, if you will, uh, it would die back down. And this is what Paul is telling Timothy and what the Lord is telling you and I. If we're not continually fanning the flame of our faith, then it will grow cold. Timothy's been serving Jesus for around 15 years at this point. And Paul is telling Timothy, your flame has gotten dim and you need to go back to uh, where it was in the beginning. You need to fan that flame. You need to go back to your first love, if you will. You need to go back to when it was hot and burning brightly. And many of us need to do the exact same thing this morning. If you know Jesus, you've been given spiritual gifts uh, from God. He's calling you to use them. He's advancing the kingdom of God through people like you and me who are willing to be used by him. Supernatural gifts, callings from God, gifts and abilities. He's just kind of naturally given you. He's fit together in you that we are to use to make much of the Lord, to make much of his name. But faith, in, uh, but faith is like a flame. And if we don't fan it, if we don't feed it, the flames will diminish. The warmth of our faith will decrease. And when that happens, if the, if the faith begins to just kind of try to survive, 
instead of burning white hot, then the first thing that's going to show up in our hearts, the first thing is fear. And that's where Paul goes next in verse 7. For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline. God is the one doing the work. God is the one who's given the spiritual gifts and who has uh, uh, had this calling on Timothy's life. God is the one who's given a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. Our God is gracious. He's generous to His people. He's given good gifts to, to us to be used for His purposes, to be used for His glory. Because on our own, apart from God, when we step away from the white-hot flame of God's love and God's power, then the first thing that we will begin to be is fearful. As Christ followers, we are told that we must walk by faith and not by sight. We're to walk by faith, if you will, and not by fear. So often in our culture, the first people to act as if God is not on His throne, as if God is not in control and ruling and reigning and working all things together for the good of those who love Him, working all things together for His glory, for His good. The first ones to be fearful are the ones that, who supposedly worship and follow this great God. The first ones are the Christ followers of all people to pretend that, where's God? We're, we're the ones that we claim to worship God and serve God. And we're the first ones to get fearful and terrified. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Your translation may say timidity. This temptation to turn from walking in courage and instead be paralyzed in fear. And when followers of Jesus are paralyzed in fear, then we've ceased to follow the Jesus of the Bible. Because Jesus will lead us to places outside of our comfort zones. To places that we never imagined we'd go before. To levels of obedience, to levels of humility, to levels of surrender and trust that on our own we'd never go. But knowing and following Him that he is in control, that he's the one doing the work, then we joyfully follow him because he's a good shepherd who cares for his people. When we're gripped by fear, no matter what kind of fear we're talking about, fear of the future, fear of the unknown, whatever it may be, when our lives are dominated by fear, then we'll be trusting in ourselves rather than God himself. We'll be trusting in our wisdom, which doesn't get us very far compared to God's infinite wisdom, God's wisdom found in God's word. We'll be like the kids standing next to that pool just terrified to jump in because we're, un- we're just scared of what the unknown is going to be. Even if we can imagine God the Father there to catch us, we're still terrified to follow in obedience. We're st- still terrified sometimes to follow in, in surrender. If you know Jesus as your Savior today, you're a child of God and His heart for you is to live for Him and not to be frozen in fear. God wants you to live with purpose and mission and courage and endurance to live this life on mission. Yes, there's going to be times of uncertainty, but in those times, are we drawing near to God or drawing near, near to ourselves? Are we saying, God, I don't see what's up ahead, but you do, so I'll follow you. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but rather a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. In and of ourselves, we don't have the capacity to love our neighbor, serve God, be a good employee, love our friends, raise our children in the ways of God, those kinds of things. When we see the word power, though, we're often worried by this word. We, we associate words like brash, arrogant, domineering with power, but notice what, what, what the word power is connected to. It's connected to love. You can't disassociate power with God's greatest commandment to love others and love Him. 
When we lack in power and love, it shows that we're trusting in, our, in ourselves rather than in God. That shows up in our prayer life. Are we running to the one who has the power to change things? The next thing he says here is this idea of self-discipline. The ESV translates it uh, self-control, and I love that. The discipline to make the right choice, the self-control to start, start doing this and stop doing this, to do more of this and less of this, to, to repent from this sin and to trust in God in this area. Our lives often enter messes and trials because we're not walking in God's power. We're not living in His love and we're lacking self-discipline and self-control that comes from Him. In Ephesians, Paul gives this picture of what we're not to be tossed back and forth by the waves of life. We're not to be ruled by fear, but oftentimes fearful people are pushed around by circumstances. Something happens in our culture, something happens in our personal lives, in our friend's life, and our first response is, is fear and worry and chicken little and the sky is falling rather than courage and trust. Our walk with Jesus is not to be determined by circumstances. We follow Him on the mountaintops and we follow Him in the valleys. Just like Timothy, we are charged to fan into flame uh, the gift of God, to to fan into flame the faith of God that dwells in our hearts, the faith that He has given to us by His grace. So how do we do that? How do we fan into flame? If we, if we find ourselves in a season like that right now where we're just kind of grown dim, if you will, or we find ourselves around someone, maybe a family member, a friend, who we just notice that their faith has grown cold, how do we help? How do we come alongside? Well, looking at the section, I see four things. Four things that Paul does here to Timothy to know how to fan into flame the gift of God that has been given to him first thing is prayer. And I know it's such a simple answer, but it's one we often overlook as Christ followers of all people. God is the one who gives us the spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. God is, the, God is at work. God is the, is the one at power. So we should ask that same God to fan into flame our hearts. It's that Psalm 51 prayer of restore to me the joy of my salvation, Lord. Paul's telling Timothy, I pray for you. I'm, I'm continually praying for you. So uh, if you're a parent, are you praying for your children that their faith in the Lord would be burning white hot? Uh, church, are we praying for one another that, the, that our faith in the Lord would be burning white hot? You also see Timothy or Paul giving Timothy encouraging words. This whole section, this whole letter is encouragement to Timothy. And the words are not always easy to swallow. It's not always patting Timothy on the back, if you will. It's, it's reminding Timothy one theme you'll see in this letter is that he's going to suffer. Things won't go well. But in the end, Paul keeps encouraging Timothy by pointing him to God. It's, he's pouring courage into his heart by pointing him and to kind of lift up, lift up his chin and pointing him to God. Some of the most encouraging words I've, I've gotten in my life are words that say, it's really not about you, Dave, it's about God. Or here's how I see God at work in you. Or here's how I see God at work through you. But it's pointing me to God. Paul is telling Timothy, remember who God is. Remember Jesus. When Timothy is tempted to look at his circumstances to go fearful or ashamed, Paul keeps saying, no, no, Timothy, look at God. A God who has given us a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. Prayer, encouraging words. The next thing Paul does there is remind Timothy of the past faithfulness of God. Timothy, remember the past faith of the previous generations. Remember how God has worked, has worked in the past. 
God's people are notorious for forgetting how God is at work. Uh, the Israelites were this way. You and I are this way. We forget so quickly how God has been faithful over and over in our past. And then finally, Paul reminds Timothy of the future and the God who he believes in. If you skip to verse 12, this is what Paul says, That is why I'm suffering as I am, yet this is no cause for shame, because I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Timothy, fan that flame. Timothy, don't grow fearful. Timothy, don't grow ashamed because you know whom you have believed. You know our God is faithful. You know how he's been faithful in the past and you know that he'll be faithful in the future, that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, the beginning and the end. Crosspoint, do you know who you have believed? We live in a world that says, believe in yourself and find the strength within yourself. And Paul is saying, no, no, my belief, my trust is no longer in myself. It's in God. This is my plan A. I don't have a plan B. My plan A is I'm going to follow God. He's saying I'm going to trust in Him and Him alone. I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Please hear me on this. On your own, you can't fan into flame your own heart. And I think we do this too often. We try to do this, if you will. In your own heart, you won't find a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. Jesus is the only one who has perfect power, perfect love, and perfect self-discipline or self-control. And so we're not to grow in this. Uh, so, we, so we must grow in this daily surrender to Him, seeking Him, asking Him to change us, asking Him to transform us, relying upon His grace, seeking Him in prayer, opening up His Word and hearing from Him, hearing from the one who has perfect power, perfect love, and perfect self-discipline. And you and I are also not going to fan into flame our own hearts and in isolation. It happens in community, in relationship, where we're praying for one another and encouraging one another with our words and reminding, no, do you see how God's worked in your past? I remember it. Maybe you've grown blind to it, but I remember it. Or do you remember the God whom you have believed? That God will, will be there in the end. That God will see you through this. We need people around us to say those things to us. We need to be those kinds of people to, to say that to one another. Let us be found faithful. I, I, I pray that as a church, we'd be a church that would fan into flame the gift of God that God has given to us, that we would not be a church ruled by fear, but by faith. Faith in a God who gives us a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. Let us be found on fire for the Lord, fanning it into flame continually alongside one another. So when one person is struggling, that we're coming alongside to pour courage into them. And when we're struggling, we're quick to say, you know what? I, I, my, the flame has kind of grown dim. Will you come alongside me? Will you pray for me? Will you encourage me? Because as a church cross point, we know whom we have believed. And we know that He is faithful. We know that his nature and character does not change. We know he is the one who not, not only gives us the grace to believe, but the, but the power and the love and the self-discipline to, to be used for his glory and for his honor. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the work that you're doing in the next generation, the work that you're doing in this church. And I pray that as a church, as people, as households, as followers of you, that you would remind us this week that you give us a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. And where the flame might have grown dim, that you would 
fan that into flame supernaturally, not only through your Holy Spirit, through your word, but through the body of Christ around us, Lord. We love you. We thank you for your grace in our lives. We thank you that you are good and gracious to us. You're generous to us. And I pray that where seeds were planted, where things were watered, where seeds were watered, that you would make it grow, not only in our hearts, but in the children's hearts and in this community. And may this uh, community, may, the, may lives be changed eternally uh, by your power. And we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, this Saturday morning, um, there is an opportunity to serve, to help unload food at the food pantry in Eureka. And so David McCulley will have a help needed sign, I believe, back in the foyer. And you can sign up with him. to sign. It's 8.30, I believe, Saturday morning. Meet somebody new before you leave. God bless. Have a great week.